Hello, TSF family, and welcome to episode two, season five of this spiritual fix, where today Anna is going to be unlocking all of her astrology knowledge when we talk about Mars and Mercury in retrograde. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Rizzi. Hey, Christina. You're excited about this episode, aren't you? Yes, I am. This is going to be a fun one for any astrology flirters or lovers or new no, novices. Yeah, newbies. Newbies. Nascent people, green beans like me who know a lot about other things, but not necessarily astrology. Yeah, and it's funny because I've been really reluctant to record an episode on astrology because I'm like, everybody knows that, <laughs> but no, not everybody does. Definitely not. So Definitely not. My husband trades stock according to astrology charts, and my stepdaughter is obsessed with astrology. So like in our family, we just talk about astrology a lot, and I feel like it's very second nature to how I raise my kids and how I operate on a yeah. day-to-day basis and interact with people. But then I'm like, wait, other people aren't operating like this. So hopefully some information today, or definitely the information today, unless you're like an astrology pro, should should be helpful. That's really exciting. That's really exciting. And just to make a little disclaimer, there's going to be a lot of ambient noise because Christina brought her daughter to visit with my kids and we've asked them to be quiet, but you know how children are. Yeah. <laughs> they like to make dramatic Dramatic through the the halls and things along those lines. Yeah. But um, it was interesting because we were talking today and I've actually been talking to some of my clients recently about the concept of sleeping in different rooms than your partner. Yes. And I think it's a really important point. It's funny because when Stephanie from the Luxury Dropout podcast was on like our special episode last season and she said something like, my deal breaker is like not allowing dogs to sleep in the bed with me. I like thought about that so much. Really? Well, because, because for me, my dog has like the luxury life, like in so many ways for a dog because he has 60 acres and he is in the woods constantly and he's constantly covered in ticks. Like he probably, we will probably pick off, like anytime he comes inside, we probably pick up like off, off like five to eight Wow. Bigger ones, like even at this time of year. And then when it's like, when it's nymph tick season, which is like seed tick season time, there are hundreds and we have to use tape to get them off of them. So like, I'm not putting that in my bed, no matter how much I love my dog. Right. Like I'm not going to get all the ticks off. I'm not, I can't give him a bath every day. So it's like, it was just so funny. Cause she's like, that's a deal breaker. And I was like, I think for me, a deal breaker is putting the dog into the bed. <laughs> but then there's also dogs being in rooms And some people can't sleep with that, and some people can. Right. So in the case of my family, for example, we have short-snouted dogs. We have a bulldog and a pug, and they snore. They breathe heavy, and then they snore super heavy. And they sleep in... I want to sleep near them because if I don't, they cry or bark or I just, I just want to know where they are. Yeah. And also their sound is like white noise to me. So when I'm, I like enjoy falling asleep to <laughs> like you walk into my room and it, it sounds like gar- Gargamel. <laughs> but you know, but whatever. But the point is I enjoy it. My husband doesn't want to sleep near the dogs. They disturb his his sleep. Yeah. He can't stand it. They don't sleep in our bed. They would if my husband was okay with it, but he's not. So we just have a no dogs in the bed rule. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, but I but I think there's also something important here, which is going to lend itself to the astrology episode and go very nicely into it, is that we haven't done an episode on human design, but human design is something that I really enjoy. It's a combination of the I Ching and astrology. It's like a channeled process. So the, anything I know about astrology is usually what I've learned through human design in particular. But one of the things that they talk about in human design is that there are, it is vastly complex i will say that and it has a ton of jargon but the most important thing is that there are a couple of different sensory like kind of perception centers within each of us right so 
there are a couple of like receptor sites within us. There is a kind of a health, which is called the splenic center in, in human design, but there's like a health reception center where you're able to like be able to gauge the physical health of other people. There's an emotion one, which a lot of us are familiar with, especially if we're talking about being an empath in which you kind of receive the emotions of others. And then there's also one for the mind. Right. So basically you're able to kind of perceive the things that are going on around you. And those three centers are, if they're not what's called defined, you have a tendency, people can have a tendency to basically perceive other people's emotions or physical states of being like their wellness or thoughts that they're having as their own. And then they amplify them. People who have find centers in these three areas in particular needs time to be in their own space. Because if they don't, then they'll just continually think that someone else's anger or someone else's illness is their own or someone else's thoughts are their own. It's kind of one of those really strange things. So it's really, really important for these people to spend time, significant time, resetting their auric field so that they're kind of the only thing in it. Mm -hmm. And so for those people, it's really, really beneficial to sleep in another room than your partner because then you're not sleeping in the auric field of your partner and you're not taking on their stuff all night. You're not taking on their journeys. You're right. not taking on their wellness, their sense of well-being and how they're physically feeling and how they're emotionally feeling and the thoughts that they're having. Like, it's really important to not do that. Yeah. When you did my chart reading, you said that I should actually sleep alone or with a person with a certain dynamic, which by the stroke of God or luck... My son fits all the characteristics mm -hmm. of yeah. what he like I completes all of your circuits. What I yeah. should sleep with? I yeah. mean, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So occasionally sleeping with somebody who kind of puts you a lot at ease because they kind of like make it so that you're you feel kind of complete, for lack of a better way of saying it, like you have a full circuit is good, but really. It's really good to also do it in your own space, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I'm the type who takes on the physical. Like, I, I basically perceive and amplify other people's physical well-being. And it, it relates a lot to survival and things like that. And if I'm around a group of people, like, like typically in, like, a retreat setting, or if I'm around people who are doing a lot of physical processing of stuff, emotional and physical processing of stuff, I start to feel ill after a couple of days because everyone is is there's so much discharging and yeah. detoxing going on that it's really hard for me to like get into my own space so i like i need to retreat and find my own space and like find my own center again so yeah. i just wanted to say that because i thought i thought it's a really interesting thing and i wanted to like try and destigmatize. yeah there's a lot of stigma about like oh you guys sleep in separate rooms we we do it like before i even knew about life design and energy stuff we just do it because it makes sense because i go to bed around nine or ten yeah i wake up at like five six or seven and I'm a light sleeper and my husband goes to bed at, you know, midnight or even after and he likes to wake up at eight or nine, you know? Yeah. So it's like we'd be waking each other up and it's annoying and, you know, I don't know, it's just more practicality for us even. Just yeah. That it's also really good in feng shui for everybody to have their own space, right? And so even like when I was living in a 14 foot diameter yurt, one of the things that I was told to help my husband feel more at ease, it wasn't my husband at the time, but like my partner feel more at ease was like, I had a shelf and I knew I had to have a shelf that was like mine and I could make it as messy as I wanted. I could do anything I wanted in it. Right. It was like my space, but he didn't have that. And so we just gave him, we like literally set up this like tray, this like tea tray on like one end of the year, which is, you know, it's not very big, but he just put all of his shit on there all the time. And he was so much happier because he had one space in which nobody would fuck with his stuff. That's, that reminds me of our basement. My husband's office is in our basement and I wouldn't call myself a neat freak, although Christina probably would. <laughs> <was. laughs> you know, lovingly, <laughs> like according to my sister, I'm probably really messy. But like, according to other more other people, I probably am not. I mean, yeah. I don't know. But the point is, is I like things in order. And like, when I wake up every morning, I have to put the pillows back on the couch the right way. And like, I, I feel like I'm constantly tidying up. But my husband is not that way. And he has a basement office. Mm -hmm. And I just told myself, I, I said, this is his office. And this is his space. Whatever goes on in this room belongs to him. And I don't have to worry about it. Because yeah. I used to go down there and get like anxiety anxiety from his piles of papers and 
wires and this and that. And it made me like anxious. And I just was like, nope, this is his space. And I was just like, this is his space and he can have it. And I don't even have to go down in the basement if I don't want to like see that mess. Which to him is not a mess. In his world, it makes perfect sense. And that is because his mercury is in a different place than my mercury, which we're going to talk about today. Amazing, perfect transition. Yeah, it's funny. When you have the, yeah, my husband's pile of stuff is next to his bed. And just two days ago, he was finally like, this is unreasonable. And I was like... Thank you, God. Yeah. Your daughter walked into Eric's closet yesterday because she was like asking me a question and I was putting something away. She goes, oh my God, this closet is so organized. <laughs> She's like, you should see my daddy's closet. <laughs> well, today we're talking about when planets go retrograde and that could be like a whole season because all the planets can go retrograde and I don't want to do all the planets today. We're just going to do two of the main ones, which is Mercury, which goes retrograde three to four times a year. And we're going to talk about Mars because Mars is currently in retrograde. It went into retrograde on October 30th, 2022, if you're listening to that in this current year, and it will stay there until January 12th. So we are currently in a Mars retrograde phase. So I thought this was a really good topic to talk about when planets go retrograde. Yeah. So before we start, I want everybody to quickly, you can click a link in the show notes or just Google free astrology charts on Google and quickly go to an astrology chart website, plug in your date of birth and where you were born, and you're going to pull up an astrology chart. And I want you to take note of your big three, which is your sun, moon, and ascendant which are your very defining features. And then you're going to look and see where your Mercury and Mars are. Now, just to give you a quick overview of astrology, everyone knows what their sun sign is. Like, you know, that's, that is where the sun was when you were born. So that's like when you go into a horoscope and you read your daily horoscope and your sun sign, like that was made popular when newspapers came out and it was kind of like a novel thing, but truly you don't, you can't categorize people into 12 different There's so much more complexity. There's so much more complexity. Like even twins are going to have different astrology charts. So like no two Leos are the same because planets were in different places at different moments. So you have all the different planets plus your ascendant and they all travel through different houses. There's 12 different houses. And so things are going to always be different. And so basically your birth chart is a snapshot of where all the planets were in the instant you were born. And it has to do with longitude and latitude as well. Now, when we talk about crystals and rocks and magnetism and all sorts of other things, the belief here is that because these planets have large structures, they basically pull on us and influence our personalities, right? That's, that's the theory in a nutshell. Now, even businesses and marriages have their astrology charts, right? Like we got married in September. We have a Virgo marriage and our marriage is very Virgo, right? And so businesses have astrology charts. Like I said, my husband trades on the stock market. He has a program that will pull up the astrology chart of every business, right? Yeah. So even this podcast, what is this podcast? A Capricorn, I think? I think it's a Capricorn, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, you have... It's a cusp, Capricorn, Aquarius. Right, it's right there. (laughs) So basically, you have your big three, which is your sun, your moon, and ascendant. And these are your primary influencers. If you don't know the time of birth, you're not going to be able to determine your ascendant. But your sun and your moon are pretty important. Your moon sign is probably the most important when you're a child because this is your most emotional inner state. And children most often reflect their moon sign more than their sun sign. So just keep that in mind if you do have children that you really want to parent them mostly according to their moon sign and not their sun sign because they're really they're just so you know open and vulnerable and true and that is their moon right now you have your sun your moon your ascendant those are your big three but today we're talking about mercury and mars which are two planets that aren't really spoken of so much but they are very important especially when it comes to retrograde so I gotta take a deep breath here because I talked a lot. So we're gonna talk first about Mercury. So like I said, pull up your chart, look and see where your Mercury is because your Mercury is very important to when we talk about Mercury and retrograde. The planet Mercury is the planet that is the messenger of the gods. Mercury was the messenger god. He is the ruler of Gemini and Virgo. And it is the planet of day-to-day expression and communication. I like to think of Mercury as the planet of the mind. It's how you think. A great example is I'm a Leo with my Mercury in Leo. So I 
I'm a Leo and I think like a Leo, but my neighbor is a Leo, but she has her Mercury in Virgo. And in a lot of ways, you'd think she was a Virgo. She has a very analytical job. She's very calculated. She does a lot of research. You know, she's she's in a lot of ways more Virgo than Leo just because she thinks like a Virgo. And since Virgo, because Mercury is ruled by Virgo, Mercury and Virgo become stronger, right? So we're gonna talk about exaltations and falls and all that in a bit, but basically if your Mercury is in Virgo or Gemini, it's gonna be in its strongest form. So you're most likely going to have that Mercury be stronger and more highlighted than someone else, right? With that being said, your Mercury is always gonna fall in the same sign that your sun is or plus one, minus one. So for example, if you're in Aries, your Mercury is most likely gonna be in Pisces, Aries, or Taurus. Like you're never gonna have Mercury far, far away. It's always plus or minus a planet. Okay. Yeah, so Christina, without knowing you, you are a Pisces. My guess is that your your Mercury is an Aquarius. Okay, I'm, I'm checking right okay. now. Because her, because she's a Pisces, I know that her Mercury is either going to be Aquarius, Pisces, or Aries. But since I know how she is, her Mercury is an Aquarius. Yep. Yeah. So because I know how she thinks, my guess is that her Mercury is an Aquarius because Aquarius is very inventive and very very is very inventive and broad thinking and inquisitive so that makes more sense with her whereas if she had had a mercury in pisces she would be lottie dottie and if she had mercury in aries she would be like extremely focused and if you listen to this podcast you know she struggles with neurodivergent adhd (laughs) okay now that being said know where your mercury is and now i'm going to tell you a little bit about what mercury means according to your sign If Mercury is in Aries, then you think like an Aries. Whether you are in Aries or not is irrelevant. You think like an Aries. You are daring. You are blunt. You are deliberate. You are focused. You have goals and you achieve them and you seek them out. You are like single focus driven when it comes to tasks. Okay? That's how you think. If your Mercury is in Taurus, you are going to think like a Taurus. So you're going to be very grounded, enduring, pensive, practical, non-theoretical, and you need to prove things. For example, my brother is a Taurus. I know without looking at a chart that his Mercury is in Taurus because he is a scientist. He he doesn't believe in astrology. <laughs> um, <laughs> he doesn't stream astrology. He will not venture into esoterics if it doesn't make sense. If it isn't empirically reviewed, he is not going to pay any attention to that information. Very very smart. And it's funny because. My, my neighbor's daughter was over the other day and I was asking her about her astrology sign. She goes, my daddy doesn't believe in astrology. And I said, that's just because his Mercury is in Virgo. Because like Virgo, Virgo, Taurus, and Capricorn, they're all earth signs. And those earth signs are very rational and it has to be earthy and they have to understand it, right? Now, Mercury in Gemini, so this is a very important influence. And Gemini, as we know, is charismatic, effortless, multitasking. So someone who has their Mercury in Gemini thinks like a Gemini. They're going to have a lot of interests. They're going to probably get bored easily. They probably are good at multitasking and thinking and juggling a lot of information in their head at the same time. Right. Mercury in Cancer, they think like a Cancer. So again, If you have Mercury in Cancer, most likely you are a Gemini, a Cancer, or a Leo. If you have a Mercury in Cancer, you think like a Cancer. This means you think very sensitively, impressionable. You are not necessarily a diligent worker, but you are adaptable. So you value adaptability and flexibility more than hard work and being grounded. They will, and when the, and when the Mercury is in this sign, these people don't necessarily feel like they need to apologize for changing their mind all the time because they think that their brilliance actually comes from their adaptability. Hmm, that makes sense. All right. I have Leo Mercury, so I'm kind of a good example. Leo is a, okay, when your Mercury is in Leo, now keep in mind, Leo is the sign of the eternal child. They are very young. They are very playful. They are very lofty, very sincere. So when Leo is in Mercury, then they don't really have lofty or elitist ideas. They're able to take information and think about it in a way to break it down very simply and very pure, and they don't make things too complicated. So I'm a Mercury and Leo, and I think it kind of makes sense. Like when I go to work, 
and I have to explain complex medical stuff to people, I can really dumb it down because I can kind of see it through the lens of a child. So basically they take information, they think like a child, they make it simple, make it manageable, right? Okay. Now Virgo, when Virgo is in Mercury, it's a very strong sign. So there's a lot of influence here. It's exalted in this position. And so it's going to be very strong. Now, if Virgo is in Mercury, it's going to be its strongest effect in this position. These are people who are super smart, super intelligent, very productive, very logical, very powerful in business. They do things like engineering, meticulous kind of things. They're like the king of the spreadsheets. And they're amazing because like my friend who has the Mercury in Virgo, Mm -hmm. she can you know, wash her dishes while she's on a Zoom call and then, you know, step aside and write something in a spreadsheet. I can't, I can't do that. Like I can do many things at the same time, but each thing has to be done separately. Like I can't juggle it all like the way that she can. And, you know, for example, Mercury and Virgo can just focus, focus, focus. Their room can be a mess and they can still focus on their task. Whereas like I walk in and it's just too much. Yeah. Libra loves relationships and partnerships in groups. So they're good about asking questions to others. They want a lot of feedback from others and they think best in groups and they they make their decisions best by including information from others because they're very partnership based. Okay. Scorpio. Do you know anyone with Mercury and Scorpio? I don't. <laughs> my, uh, my daughter has this. Does she? So okay. she's a good little example. When Mercury is in Scorpio, it is very intense. They like to get their stuff done and they can become almost obsessive with things. Like they get into something and they just want to talk about it all the time. They think about it all the time. They choose their friends and work with great intention. They're very deliberate about things. And if they don't care about it, they don't want to do it. Right. Okay. That's how they think. Sagittarius. Mercury in Sagittarius is very productive. Sagittarius is the archer. You know, you've seen it. Yeah. Like you see the image of the man on the horse, the centaur, or what is yeah, it? Yes, the centaur. Centaur. Yeah shooting his arrow they like to look beyond they're all about the journey they're about travel they're about philosophy so when they think they might be idealists they might focus on idealism they don't necessarily need to get to their destination swiftly because they unlike anyone else understands the journey more than the end goal right right whereas the earth signs would be like what the fuck yeah (laughs) all right Capricorn, rebellious, unencumbered, entertaining. People with Capricorn in their Mercury placement are often very straightforward, methodical, and strategic. I have a friend who has a Mercury in Capricorn, and her favorite thing in the world is writing to-do lists. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She is like, this is what I got to do, and I'm going to get it done. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Aquarius, this is you. Yes. Mercury in Aquarius means you think like an Aquarius. You are resourceful, confident, masterful. They could be accountants by day, but tarot card readers by night, according to an article, which (laughs) I will link, which is you. Mm -hmm. Also, my stepdaughter, Mercury in Aquarius, she is an accountant by day and literally paints on the side. So it's just like, you know, lots of different vast interests, you know, the esoteric, but then also the very practical. My sister is an artist and you know, she's an artist, but yet one of her strengths when she teaches this course for other artist mothers is how to catalog and identify and organize your art. So it's like they can kind of do all these different things. Your sister's got her Mercury in Aquarius as well? Yeah. Oh wow. So there's a lot of people you know with Mercury yeah. in Aquarius. So anyways, they like to do they they're good at totally contrasting fields, bringing them together and new ideas are born. Aquarius is known as being the inventor and genius. Okay. Pisces. Mercury in Pisces. Now, the opposite sign to Virgo is Pisces. It's it's opposite, which means then that because Virgo is exalted in Mercury, it's going to be in its detriment in Pisces. So Mercury is actually at its weakest point when it's in Pisces. Right. So you get affected the most if you're in Pisces, if it's in Pisces or no. It has the least influence. It has least influence. It has least It has very, okay. very little influence. So like a Mercury retrograde wouldn't affect a Pisces. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Okay. So, well, so Mercury in retrograde, it's not going to have such a strong effect on someone who's in the Pisces sign, which yes. we're going to get to later because you're not really, that planet doesn't have a big hold on you. Ah, 
Nice. We're going to get to all that in yeah, a bit. Yeah. So now, if your Mercury is in Pisces, you are a good, enigmatic, private person. You are a storyteller. You think about things cryptically. You keep your motives hidden like other water signs. You're great at telling stories. And there's a line. Sometimes you don't know the line between truth and fiction because you kind of are a dreamer, daydreamer, storyteller. And so unlike Taurus or Virgo or Capricorn, these very, you know, rational, logical thinkers, you're kind of out in the clouds. So it's hard for you to kind of mesh it all together. I wonder I wonder if my husband's Mercury is in Pisces. You can look it up. I will. All right. Now, what happens when Mercury goes retrograde? Every planet in our solar system travels in the same direction around the sun. It's not that it actually ever pauses and turns back in the opposite direction. It just appears to from Earth. So when that happens, when it does go retrograde, when it appears to go in reverse, you have to watch out for certain things. Christina, will you tell us a little bit what to expect when Mercury goes retrograde? Yes. And I love the way that you say it grammatically because you can check. There's two websites that you can check to see if Mercury is retrograde. And one of them is www.mercuryinretrograde.com. And then the other one is www.mercuryinretrograde.com. I think it's is Mercury retrograde versus is Mercury in retrograde. The oh. proper grammatical ter- terminology is Mercury is Mercury retrograde. There's no such thing as being in retrograde, which is like... Oh, was I saying it correctly? I think you were saying it correctly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think you said it correctly. When you say goes retrograde, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's not, you can't be, it's not a thing that you can be in. That's me being like strangely pedantic about grammar, which is literally not like me at all, but I just like that one in particular. Yes. So yeah. So when Mercury is retrograde, what you can see is that there are going to be particularly times associated with confusion, delay, and frustration, particularly in the area of communication, contracts, technology, and traveling. Mm -hmm. So I always can tell, like sometimes in the past I've been like, I've seen like people on the side of the road with flat tires and I've seen like five or six flat tires on the side of the road. And I'm like, I go to my phone, not when I'm driving, but afterwards <laughs> I say, I say is mercury retrograde.com. And it's like, yes, that could account for the weirdness, right? Like right. that's basically the whole, the whole website because oftentimes there are more car troubles that you have during this time. Your computer may not work in the same way that you want it to, you know, things just are more difficult communication is a very clear thing that happens in this time and that like you tell some you send somebody a text message that says that you're going to be 30 minutes late and to wait for you and the text doesn't go through right. and you know because you got a flat tire you're going to be 30 minutes late so but don't go you know right. like that those are like perfect examples of mercury retrograde things you just miss trains if you take if you take public transit one of the things we always say is you never have a contract you never complete a contract during metro mercury retrograde because of the fact that it will most likely become undone mm-hmm. right so it, you know it's because it only takes 88 days for mercury to orbit the sun and because of the way the orbitals work it's not a circle it is an oval it's an orbit that goes a long ways it's that's where it kind of appears to be there so the next mercury retrograde that's coming up is December 29th, 2022, to January 18th, 2023. So it's going to be in Capricorn. So yeah, what would we expect to happen for Mercury retrograde? Right. If you go to the show notes, we have all the dates that Mercury will go retrograde in the year 2023. But yes, we can expect one in a month, December 29th to January 18th. So what to expect? So like Christina was saying, when when Mercury goes retrograde, you can expect things that are going to be done to come undone. My, I first got into astrology as a child because my uncle's mother-in-law was a, like a really well-known astrologer to the stars. She lived in Hollywood. Wow. And she I worked, did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. And she'd come over and she was this very, very redheaded fireball of a woman. And all she talked about was astrology. And when my mom was having her cancer treatments and she was setting up her, her dates and stuff, she was like, don't do it then. Don't do it then. If you do it then, the cancer's going to come back. And it did. And then when my cousin was getting married, she refused to let them get married on a certain date because Mercury was in retrograde. It was like a really big deal for her. And so 
I'm going to talk about what you can do to prepare and then when you're actually in Mercury and retrograde. But first I want to talk about what to expect when Mercury goes re- retrograde based on your sign, okay. right? Yep. Okay. So before we go into that, I need to explain four different things about astrology. Every planet has its domicile, its exaltation, its detriment, and its fall. So let me just explain that. Domicile is astrolo- in astrology is a place where the planet rules. The planet in domicile shows up exactly the way you'd expect them to. Let me give you an example. The, the sun is in domicile in Leo. Therefore, people who have a sun in Leo are very Leo. Leos are very Leo because the sun is in its natural home, domicile, meaning home, yep. in Leo. Now, Leo's opposite sign is Aquarius. So because Aquarius is the opposite sign of Leo, then it is in detriment when it is in Aquarius. Therefore, people who are Aquarius are not big Aquariuses. You know, like a Leo is a big, bright Leo yeah. because it's in their domicile, whereas Aquarius is more muted. The, yeah. Okay? Another you. example would be the moon sign is, uh, is Cancer when it's in domicile. So people with the moon sign mm-hmm. and Cancer... That's a very strong influence because cancer is at home in the moon sign. So people with the moon in cancer are very moon in cancer. Okay. Whereas moon in Capricorn, it's opposite, is going to be in its detriment. So people with the moon in Capricorn don't really have a lot of influence there. Right. Right. That, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what's the difference between domicile and exaltation? Exaltation is in astrology, is the sign when, where a planet performs effortlessly in the way we expect it to. It's the sign that elevates its function. So let me give you some examples of... So it's not just at home. It's like... Exalted. It's, it's in, like, it's like, an, it's like super powered within its home, kind of. Yes. So, for example, the sun is exalted in Aries, okay? Mm-hmm. The Aries is the first sign. Yeah. They're me, me, me. The moon is exalted in Taurus. Mercury is exalted in Virgo, like we were saying. Mm-hmm. Venus is exalted in Pisces. Mars is exalted in Capricorn. Jupiter is exalted in Cancer. Saturn is exalted in Libra. The, the dictionary defines exaltation as a feeling or state of extreme happiness. But in this situation, the planets operate easily, almost magically. It's a very fortunate and very lucky position. Okay. okay? So think of it like Leo, for example, the sun in Leo, it's at home. It's very comfortable being the sun. It's, per, you know, it's there, but it's exalted in Aries. Like Aries are like, here I am. You know, like Aries... Are very lucky people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. All right. Now, we have exaltation. Now we're going to talk about detriment. Detriment is the exact opposite. It's a sign where a planet struggles and where it has... And it has, where it has the most struggles and challenges, it has to find different unconventional ways to express itself. Okay. So for example, Aquarius's struggle with self-expression. They always need to be different, step away from the crowd, you know, their avoidance. They're in detriment in their sun. Yep. Now you have your fall. Your fall is the exact opposite of the exaltation. Right. So just as you have a very lucky position for exaltation, you have a very unlucky position when your planet is in the fall. So the sun is in its fall in Libra. The moon is in its fall in Scorpio. As Mm -hmm. someone with a Scorpio moon, let me just tell you, yes, people with a Scorpio moon, they struggle the most internally because their moon is in their fall. Mercury is in its fall in Pisces, meaning it's like very, it's a big challenge. Okay. Venus is in its fall in Virgo, which means that people with Venus and Virgo are very unfortunate in love, right? Right. And Mars is in its fall in Cancer. Okay. All right. So now keeping in mind where your planet is, we're just going to talk a little bit about when Mercury goes retrograde. Now, Mercury is in domicile in both Gemini and Virgo, and Mercury is exalted in Virgo. Therefore, if you're listening and your Mercury is in Gemini or Virgo, just know that when Mercury goes retrograde, it's going to affect you more than anyone else. Okay. Okay? Mercury is in detriment in both Sagittarius and Pisces. Therefore, when Mercury goes in retrograde, if your Mercury is in Sagittarius or Pisces, it's going to affect you the least. Okay. Mercury is also in its fall in Pisces, so again, it's not going to affect them so much. 
Yay. That's good. I feel like that's a benefit yeah. when most of the other time you're, you're kind of in a crappy place when you have a detriment or a fall position for any of your signs. Right. Yeah. Right? Yep. Now, how to protect yourself. You can do some things in the upcoming weeks and months before it goes retrograde to protect yourself so you can start signing your contracts, making your travel plans, making your big purchases, etc. Plan your surgery. Like try to get everything important done before it happens. Like for example, if you're making an appointment and they give you two dates to come into the office for your surgery or to make this purchase or whatever, do it before Mercury goes in retrograde. Like that's how you can prepare yourself. Okay, so so just so my brain can, if you don't want to have your surgery in Mercury retrograde, but could you plan it beforehand and then if you don't have a choice, still do it in Mercury retrograde as long as you're not planning it during Mercury? Is there something about like planning it during Mercury retrograde? So, or just trying to avoid that time. So actually interesting question. I had to have a surgery and I actually had to have it in retrograde Mm -hmm. and I made sure to sign all my contracts leading up to the surgery and consent forms before Mercury went into retrograde because I had no choice. Guess what? That hernia repair broke. Remember I had to redo it. That's right. Yeah. So I would like to say, don't fucking get your surgery during Mercury retrograde. Okay. (laughs) I remember that because I was like, she's going to say the one that got reversed. Yeah. yeah. I had to do it twice. Wow. And I was the first time in that doctor's like career that that happened to. Wow. But I'm probably not the first Mercury and retrograde surgery. So I don't know. Maybe just because I believed in it. <laughs> made it happen. Well, are, is your is your Mercury in one of the fall or is one of the exalted or, or domicile? No, my Mercury's in Leo. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still. All right. So how to prote- protect yourself. Another way you can protect yourself is if you absolutely cannot avoid it, you purchase some crystals to get yourself ready. Someone that I know, I won't say her name because I don't know how open she is about astrology, had to get married and it had, she had to get married when Mercury was in retrograde. So she went to a healer who gave her crystals that she hid in her either pockets or her bra on her wedding day so that it was, she was protected. Wow. <laughs> All right. So you can do that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But that's basically what you can do to prepare. And then when you're actually in Mercury and retrograde, just remember that things that need closure are going to come back up. So your ex might reach out to you. Something that you didn't, you thought you finished, didn't finish is coming back to you. You're going to get the quote blast from the past. So this is a time to kind of make peace with the past. Things from the past are going to rear their heads. Yeah. One of the things that I've also found is useful besides what you're going to get into here in a second with crystals is being very intentional and not asking for a lot, right? In the sense of like, I used to, when I remember I was having a lot of trouble once when I was catching public transit, I was trying to get trains, right? And what would happen is that like, I would basically always have exactly the amount of time to be able to get there at a train and like everything would work most of the other time, but during Mercury retrograde, it stopped working. Like I would leave at the exact same time. I would try and go in the exact same way. And then my card wouldn't go in and then the escalators wouldn't be working. And then it would just be like this. And then, and then I would just, it'd be like sliding doors where like, I just like literally the doors like closing on my face. Right. And so I was like, all right, so I'm going to keep it small and I'm going to be like, I am going to not have any delays with like crossing the street right now. And my card is going to work. And it would would, just be like, I would be incredibly focused on almost these micro tasks. And it would work. And it would work. Oh, awesome. So there's another way that you can prevent it. Once Mercury is retrograde, you can get through these trials and tribulations with some protection like self-awareness and focus and some gemstones. On her website... Crystal Guidance, Jen Mergel says, carry aquamarine to provide a protective layer around your energy field and create stability. Yeah? I have my ring. Oh, yeah. I have a giant aquamarine ring. Now, if you notice that Mercury retrograde has you feeling afraid to communicate or having issues with communication, then turquoise will help you. So you can wear a turquoise necklace, especially around the neck because that's throat chakra, right? things like that. Mercury in retrograde can cause a lot of issues and the rose quartz helps you with unconditional love, opening your heart chakra, romantic love, friends, family, luck, everything like that. So it would be a good idea to put rose quartz in your bra or if you're a man, I guess in your pocket. Yeah. But you want to have the rose quartz near your heart. You would want to have turquoise near your throat and you'd want to have aquamarine, I guess, anywhere. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So that was Mercury Retrograde summary as best as I could. That's all... amazing. That's so much information. That's so much information. Now we're going to go into Mars. Okay. All right. Now we're going to go into Mars Retrograde. And as we record this, Mars is retrograde. <laughs> and you got hit in the ass with it. Oh, yeah. I got hit in the ass with it. No wonder because of where my placements are. But we'll get into that in a little bit. So once again, look at your astrology chart and we're going to look and see where your Mars sign is, okay? Because I'm going to give you a little summary of what that means. Now, as we said before, Mercury is the planet of communication, intellectualization, the mind. Mars was the Roman god of war. So Mars is the planet of action. It yeah. is the planet of doing. It's the work. It's your actual work ability, yeah. right? Your actual doing ability. Yep. Yeah. If your Mars is in Aries, this is my husband, this is could not be truer, you are a workaholic, you are impulsive, you are an action taker, you are a workist. If my husband says he's going to do something, he is going to do it. Like, he, he if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. My Mars is in Aries. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say, what is a workist? Workist means you believe in work. Like you believe that, like, this is a horrible, horrible, horrible example, but you know, in, in Auschwitz, the Germans wrote above the gate, work will set you free. That would be someone with Mars in Aries. Understood. Belief, work okay. will set you free. You have to put the effort and the work into it for it to So one of the affirmations that I've been working on and that I have been working on with a lot of my clients is I don't have to work hard for my process. Right. Exactly. We've talked a lot about mm -hmm. that, that you think you have to work and struggle for it to be worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. So, or I don't have to suffer from my process, either one. Yeah. Right. Now, if you have Mars and Taurus, your philosophy will be different. Your philosophy will be slow and steady wins the race. The Taurus is not going to just, you know, like, I guess an example would be if, if an Aries was running a marathon, Aries would like train, they'd get out there, they put their watch on, they time it, they'd go for it and they'd get it done as quick as they could and as best as they could. In Taurus, they're like, I'm going to get it done, but I'm going to go slow and steady. I'm going to take breaks if I need to, but I will get it done. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to take my time and I'm going to be deliberate and, and careful about it. I right? seriously have to go look at my husband's chart right now. Well, he wouldn't be Taurus because what's his sun sign? His sun sign's Aquarius. Right? Go look it up. So that's Taurus. Slow and steady wins the race. They will get it done. L like Aries, if they say they're going to do it, they're going to do it. They might just take their sweet time. Right. Okay. Now, if you have Gemini in Mars, it is a mutable air sign. So Mars is a little scared, scattered and unfocused. My stepdaughter lived with us for a few months in the summer one year. And she was like, I'm convinced you have ADD or ADHD, which I actually don't. Mm -hmm. But I said, no, I don't. I just have Mars and Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> so Mars and Gemini needs a fresh change of pace. They need to quit, keep changing what they're doing to keep their energy up. Like Aries and Taurus, if they say they're going to do something, they're going to get it done. But they're going to get a lot of things done in between. I will walk from one room to the next. And on my way, I will fold laundry. I will put things away. I will get on my phone and send an email. Like I will do 101 things on my way from one room to the next. Because I'm my Mars and Gemini. I get it all done. But I have to have multiple projects going on at the same time. Like right now, I'm, I'm a physical therapist. I own and operate my physical therapy business. I also make websites on the side. I do this podcast. And then I'm a mom and wife, and then I love gardening and cooking. So yeah. it's like I got, I have like, I'm always like doing something. I'm yeah. busy. I enjoy activity. If you listen to the NLP episode, we're activity sorters, and yeah. like we love to do a lot of little things. That's yeah. Mars and Gemini in a nutshell. Now, if your Mars is in Cancer, this position is inclined toward passive aggressiveness. They do not like direct confrontation. They don't like directly achieving their goals. They're going to find like a way around it. And in this situation, their motto is. The best offense is defense. Okay? Yep. Leo in Mars has... When Leo is in Mars, there is a drive for significance. Leo likes to be the star of the show, the center of attention. So people with Mars and Leos have a strong need to create something in their lives that not only have significant meaning, but is going to be enjoyed or... What's the validated. Word? Validated by others, right? Mm -hmm. Also to keep in mind is that a lion has basically two modes. Sleep like be super lazy and relaxed or be a hunter. So if you know someone with a Mars and Leo, they're going to be 
either super, super driven, super, super focused, get their goal done, or they're going to be relaxed. Some people might think that they're procrastinators, but it's not necessarily they're procrastinators. It's just that they just have two settings right. on and off. Okay. Okay. Whereas Taurus is like always on and always slow. Mars and Leo would be like super, super focused, super, super driven, attack mode or chill mode. Right. It's so interesting. I like listening to all this. I'm like, that corresponds with human design in this way. And that corresponds with like neurodivergence in this way. Like it's funny how you can use so many different lenses and try and describe people and be rather accurate when you get to a level of detail. All right. Now, if Mars is in Virgo, they can be overcritical complaining and easy to arouse anger in. This is because they, okay. This is because Mars, people with Mars and Virgo are very protective about systems. They have, they're very systematic in what they do and they're very humble and very particular about their methods. And so other people, when they come in and try to change up their workflow, it can really agitate them. Okay. All right. Mars and Libra natives, Libra being air sign, is going to think a lot before they act. The decisiveness is not their strong point. They eventually will get things done, but they really have to think and mull over it for a long time. Like we could say that they have a slow processing feed, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you give them information, they got to mull over it and think about it, think about it, think about it before actually doing. Whereas someone with Aries in this position, it's exact opposite, is going to be like, that's what I want to do. I'm going to get it done. Right. 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 The, the fire signs are more like that. Okay. People with Mars and Scorpio love to challenge themselves to do the impossible. They will make themselves impossible goals, like impossible right. goals, and then get really frustrated when they can't achieve them. They, they keep their cool and equilibrium on the surface, even if on the, there's another story going on below. They have the potential to exploit others when it comes to work, and they also will rely heavily on their gut feelings. So they're driven in their work by challenges, impossibility, and instinct. Okay. Okay. Sagittarius. This is my partner. This is your partner. Mm-hmm. Mars in Sagittarius. When Mars and Sagittarius people get angry, they feel like running. Remember that they're the center with the arch? Yep. They are the avoidance of the zodiac. And so when they have to do something and it's frustrating them, they don't want to do it at all. They don't have a lot of patience waiting things out. Like Gemini, it's opposite. Mars and Sagittarius generally will have lots of different projects going on at once, but unlike Gemini, they will not be known for their follow through. They start many projects up with a lot of gusto. They have a lot of vision, optimism. Remember we talked about them being philosophers and lofty and like they shoot the arrow because they're looking to the sky. They're looking elsewhere. They're not very practical. They want to do so much that they have to end up trashing a lot of the ideas they take hold of because they just don't have the follow through. They're, they're more idealist based than work based. No comment. <laughs> Capricorn. In this position, which is exalted, which means it's going to be a very, very lucky position. Mm-hmm. When Mars is in Capricorn, it's a very orderly sign of Capricorn. And they are very controlled in approaching life. They're very particular. They're very enthusiastic, optimistic, and they have a low key but determined energy. So... They're going to be on top of things. They're going to be goal-oriented. They're going to be very ambitious. They call Capricorns the Cinderella's of the Zodiac because they're social climbers, but it's not that they're social climbers. They don't like exploit people. It's more that they're very ambitious and deliberate about what they want, and they're willing to work there. Their drive to succeed in life is very strong, and even if it's not outright for the world to see, they themselves in their heart have very strong, determined goals, and they will go for them right especially because it's exalted it's going to be very lucky okay aquarius it's very difficult to know what makes aquarius tick this is because and they which is fine with them because they like surprising people they like to be different they like to do they are they love originality and being original so they're not necessarily going to want to do things the way everyone else does them they want to come up with their new methods which is why they are the inventors and geniuses of the zodiac because they don't like to conform to other people's systems okay especially with work if they feel boxed in they like to rebel mars in aquarius don't want to do the things the way everyone else does them right Mm mm-hmm 
Pisces in Mars, Mars and Pisces. They live in a way that is hard to direct. Think of them like a fish in the ocean, right? Like they are, while Mars is the planet of action and assertion, Pisces is a very passive sign that is kind of the daydreamer mystic. So they kind of don't really go well together. It's very interesting because one of the things that I had a, I had a very good friend who I worked to for for a while and he used to always ask people what their their signs were before doing whatever he would use it as just their sun signs right but it was always so interesting because he was the first one who explained to me that the fish are both swimming in different directions right so, yes and that's like a really it's a really good way to think of Pisces because he's always like he always used to say to me I never know which fish is going to show up in the morning that's right. what he always say to me, That's right? Cute. He's like, he's like, I never know which one it is. Is it the airy fairy? Everything's wonderful and great, and like I'm just off in the clouds, or is it the I'm working, right. I'm doing, I'm whatever, you know? Like it's and so very interesting. Yes. So Pisces, their motto we could say is "Go with the flow." They just kind of like to let life happen and kind of go with the go with the stream. And Mars and Pisces people are not adverse to playing games to get what they want. They don't always even know what they want because their desires change they can be moody they don't really know what they want so in their case i'd say they're not really great at even making their goals to know what to work on right yeah oh no i would i would agree with that but i also think when they say they're moody i think that what is happening is they're constantly flipping between those two fish one that's like more not happy and one that's happy and you're just like it feels like they're moody but it's like because it's like which fish are they today now christina when is Mars going into retrograde? On the 30th of October has already gone into retrograde a couple like last week. So when this will air is probably a couple of weeks ago. And it's in there for two and a half months, y'all, because it has a much bigger orbital. So it appears to be going backwards for a much longer period of time. So all the way until the 12th of January, 2023. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to worry about it going back into, we don't have to worry about it going into retrograde again until December of 2024. Yeah. It's one of those nice things about if it has a very long period of retrograde, then you know that it's going to take a long time to get back into it. So like, it isn't like, haven't we been in Saturn retrograde for like fucking ever? I don't know. Because it has such a massive orbital that it appears to be going backwards in the sky for a much longer period of time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's actually true, but it definitely feels like that. All right. Well, what what now? Now, when Mars goes retrograde, what you can expect, right? So currently, it is retrograde in Gemini. Now, since my Mars in Gemini, I felt it very, very strong. Right. Okay. okay. So let's just put that out there first. Yeah. So what does it mean based on your Mars sign when it goes retrograde? So again, we talked about domicile, exaltation, detriment, and fall. To remind you, domicile is when the planet is in its natural home. So Aries and Scorpio are in domicile in Mars. Mm -hmm. So if your Mars is in Aries and Scorpio, you're in domicile. It's exalted. Again, remembering it's its most lucky and effortless position. In the case of Mars, it's exalted in Capricorn. Detriment, meaning the opposite of indomicile. It's where the planet struggles the most and it needs unconventional ways to express itself. It's in detriment in Libra and Taurus. And then fall is like the unluckiest position, right? But it also holds the greatest secret wisdom about that. The fall would be in Cancer. So if your Mars is in Aries and Scorpio, or Capricorn, you are most likely going to feel its effects when Mars goes retrograde. Now, similarly, when it, it it's retrograde right now in Gemini. So if your Mars is in Gemini, you're also going to feel it, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's like the extra in addition to being either the domicile or the exalted. Right. Okay. So now how to prepare. So because Mars has to do with action and anger, mm-hmm. Now, we already talked about how when Mercury goes retrograde, it has to do with things like communication, travel plans, things coming undone. Now, when it comes to Mars, Mars is about actions, it's about anger, and it's about drama, right? Because it's the planet of action and anger. Okay. So, how to prepare. Leading up to Mars in retrograde, which it already has happened, you want to focus on your professional growth and keep your anger in check because this is a time where if you 
where your autonomic nervous system is going to get mobilized, right? Yep. You're going to get short-tempered. You're going to get overwhelmed easier. Again, those effects being strongest if your planet is exalted or... Domicile. Or in domicile, yeah. Things you can do... Yeah, or Gemini in this situation. So you can just, just be prepared that you're going to need all of your grounding things. On October 30th, like the day that Mars went retrograde, you would not believe the things that happened. It was like everything that could go wrong action-wise, not communication-wise, went wrong. There was a roadblock where I wasn't previously one on the way back home from something. The pizza place couldn't find my order the this happened then my husband locked my keys in my car like just all sorts of crazy shit happened that day and i was like oh my gosh let me go look this up mars is retrograde and in gemini no wonder right yeah yeah actions actions getting conflagrated not necessarily communication but actions themselves right and and just out of curiosity mars is in gemini even though october 30th is not gemini because of just the way that the planet lines up with the the zodiac. It has nothing to do with what the current sun right. the, sign is. The on sun Earth. is currently in Scorpio, but Mars is in Gemini. Okay. You know, and then and then for example, Mercury's rotation is eighty eight days, and that's why it's gonna be one planet, one sign above, below, or the same one. Like if a baby's born today, Mercury is going to be in Libra, Scorpio, or Sagittarius, because it's an eighty-eight day window. Basically. Okay, so okay, I think I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. since but since Mars is such a greater window, it could be anywhere. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's all kind of relative to each other. It's right. almost like you have like fulcrums and yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. And moon and moon signs change. I think. Every, every three, three days. days. Yeah. yeah. I do. I've done planting by the moon and it's every three days. Cause like you're on earth signs. You're supposed to do more root oriented right. things on. There's... That's why you could have any moon sign also. Yeah. Right. Which is why it's important to know time for moon because it can change halfway through a day. Right. Right. Yes. So, okay. How to prepare. We already said how to prepare. What to do for protection once you're in it. This is a great time to follow rituals. You want to get in your you know, your nighttime ritual, your morning ritual, like you want to be systematic and have some sort of structure to be safe within because to kind of protect your nervous system, right? You want to do autonomic nervous system grounding. You want to do grounding cords. We have a whole episode with Jay Fields coming up as well as a previous one, which we'll link in the show notes about how to keep your autonomic nervous system balanced and in social engagement, and then you want to go inwards and meditate a lot. Don't be surprised if your ex shows up. Don't be surprised if things like, you know, things again from the past might show up. That might happen, especially if they're a Gemini, especially if they have planets in Gemini in this time. And then another protection would be aquamarine. That's another good one. Put an aquamarine stone on you or in your bra or in your underwear, wherever you like to keep it. I am so grateful for my March 1st birthday where I yeah. have my aquamarine as a result of that because apparently it's offering me some protection from all these retrogrades. Yeah, I need to go get myself an aquamarine something. Yeah. Well, without all that being said, I hope this now, this episode has kind of helped you understand a little bit more about the way you think and about the way you work and what to expect when Mars and Mercury go retrograde and how to protect yourself and to understand why Mars and retrograde might affect you more than it affects your neighbor. I understand so much more about astrology now. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I really do get it so much better. So I really appreciate that. I just recently learned about Vedic astrology, too. So now I'm just like, I feel like I'm swimming in astrology, (laughs) whether it's Vedic or Western. Well, she is a Pisces. Yeah. If you like this episode and you want me to do more episodes on astrology, send us a DM, write us a review, or... Just contact us. Or give us a a contact, because if you like this episode, I'm happy to do more astrology episodes. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this second episode of our fifth season on astrology. If you like this episode, Anna's got plenty more where this came from, so send us an email and we'll put some more on. Thanks so much. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. 
This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover. Hello, TSF family. It's Christina here. In our journey of self-discovery, Anna and I have explored numerous tools and processes, just as many of you have during this TSF journey with us. The community of beautiful souls we've connected with both energetically and in reality is truly awe-inspiring. Thank you for being a part of it. Now, I invite you to join me this fall in 2023 for my Zoom course, Redeeming Your Inner Villain Transformation Circle. Over the past year, I've channeled and undergone a transformational journey in redeeming my inner villainy, which I'll talk about later this season. But we'll be shifting in this course our perspective to recognize our role in villainizing the aspects of ourselves that perpetuate the drama triangle, both internally and externally. This process has enabled me to unravel and love parts of myself that once villainized, my neurodivergence, my maladaptive behaviors, among other things. Embark on this journey of self-love with me. I'm currently offering free 30-minute exploration calls for those interested in this opportunity or who just want to catch up. Visit www.chriswilty.com and click begin my quest to schedule your call. And remember, our TSF family receives a special 10% discount on this course when you choose to sign up. Join me in redeeming your inner villain and embracing self-love like never before. Don't miss this chance to transform your perspective and your life. Visit www.chriswiltsy.com today. Thanks, y'all.